welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, this is Preacher Brandon. Welcome to another Standing in the Gap. We're studying Matthew's Gospel verse by verse. We've now come to chapter 4. Let's read those first 11 verses again. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. What a great passage. Our first consideration in this event in the life of Jesus is the expressed purpose in this temptation. I pointed out last time that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and it says explicitly to be tempted of the devil. This excludes any thought of accident or happenstance This was one of the primary reasons for Jesus' entrance into that lonely veil. We looked first of all at the season of this temptation. It happened immediately after clear assertions of the identity and mission of Christ. John the Baptist had declared his mission in taking away the sin of the world, while God had declared audibly that this was his son in whom he was well pleased. And as he does... Satan attempted to cast doubt on what God had said. He attacked him on his sonship twice by saying, If thou be the Son of God. He tried to thwart his substitutionary death on Calvary by convincing him to enter into a shameful death on this mountain. My, how the devil operates. Moving on then from the season of this temptation and studying this expressed purpose, today we'll examine the suitability of this temptation, the suitability of this temptation. Why was it necessary 
that Christ be tempted? I want to answer that question, but I need to lay some groundwork first, and I may not be able to get the job done on this episode, so we'll get as far as we can. Uh, This temptation was suitable for uh, several reasons. It was appropriate for several reasons. First, because of our adversaries. There are two adversaries that I'll mention. One today as I lay this groundwork as to the suitability here, and then we'll look at next time the second. But the first is that of self. James in his epistle in chapter one says this in verses 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. We really need to dig into this passage. It's critical in our understanding of temptation when it comes to our fallen nature. By extension, the temptation of Christ, who himself had no fallen nature. James says, every man. He says that to remind us that there is a commonality among all mankind. We're all made of the same stuff, so to speak. James is very clear in this verse that our temptations occur when we are drawn away of our own lusts. The phrase drawn away denotes the abandonment of a place of safety or a place of refuge out unto a place of danger. The impetus for this abandonment is our own lusts. Man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lusts. This refers to those desires within us. Each of us have his own lust, James says. Though we all have desires which may lead us to sin, those desires may not be the same for all of us. Your longings may be uh, different than mine, for that's what the word means. Lust means longings. It's not in and of itself that a lust is necessarily a bad thing. In fact, the same word used here is used by Jesus himself in Luke 22 when he said, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So a lust is a desire. Certainly there was nothing evil about the desire that Christ had. Uh, However, some lusts are inherently sinful. If you desire to commit murder, that is inherently sinful. There's no way to indulge in murder in an innocent manner. On the other hand, lusts or desires like hunger or even those physical sexual impulses which may be satisfied within the bounds of Scripture are not in and of themselves sinful. We are nowhere commanded to obtain or to abstain from our necessary sustenance, but we are warned not to be gluttonous. We are over and over commanded to abstain from fornication and adultery, But the scriptures tell us that the marriage bed is undefiled. Paul told the Corinthians that it's better to marry than to burn. The key to this is found in the little word in James's verses there, the little word enticed. You see, the world, the flesh, and the devil will dangle the objects of those lusts before us as bait. When we sin, it is because we have left the safety of the scriptural parameters that God has given us in order to fulfill those desires. James goes on to tell us that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin always has for its goal, and if unchecked for its result, 
death. It was so spiritually in the garden and it does so now physically when we see it all around us, even in the cemeteries, there's proof. Now you'll notice that in the temptation, in the temptation of our Lord, none of the desires that he had, none of the temptations he was faced with were to commit things that were inherently evil. He desired to eat for he was hungry. He desired to reign for he is king of kings and Lord of lords. What kind of king wouldn't want to reign? He even desired to die for that was the purpose of his coming. I submit that it was an impossibility for Christ to desire something that was inherently evil. For instance, murder that we mentioned earlier. Now this brings up an important doctrine called impeccability. The question one must ask is could Jesus have sinned? Was it a possibility? If it was not in fact a possibility, then in what way could we say that he was tempted like as we are? Many have pondered and debated this subject and uh, most of them, I'm not worthy to shine their shoes, but faithful exposition of the text requires that we at least try and scratch the surface of this great doctrine. Alfred Edersheim once wrote this. He said, Christ's human nature was in inseparable union with his divine nature. I think this fact is where our answer lies. Christ took on him the nature of Adam. Adam, though innocent, had the potential to commit sin. I do not believe he was necessarily inclined to it. He was somewhat morally neutral, if you will. But that said, when he weighed his options upon the fall of Eve, he willfully chose to sin. Now, had Christ been merely a man and nothing more, he may have had the capability of sin, but having been in heaven, I doubt he would even have sinned in the similitude of Adam. That said, it really is a moot point. For Christ was not nearly a, merely a man. He was also God. His human nature was so joined to his divine nature that though he could in every real way face temptation, for instance, his hunger pains were as real as any addict's craving for a fix, and I would suggest even more intense, it was impossible that he should sin. This is what sets our Savior apart from us. He is holy separate from sinners. John said in him is no sin. We have a sin nature, whereas he did not. He had no ungodly desires or lusts, yet he is able to instruct us in overcoming those which we have. Though he was hungry in the wilderness, he would not be filled in a way that would displease his father. This should be our heart as well. This was not, however, the only reason he was unable to sin. We read in verse one that he was led of the spirit, which had just descended upon him in chapter three. So Jesus was filled with the spirit. He not only could not sin because of his divine and human natures being joined together, but he could not sin because he was filled with the Holy Ghost. This is our only hope in overcoming sin as well. We must be always being filled. That's the way the Ephesian text uh, indicates it with the spirit. We must always be being filled. A spirit-filled saint, as long as he is filled or as long as he is controlled and directed by the Holy Spirit, which is 
what it is to be filled. He cannot sin. The problem is we are, as one preacher worded it, leaky vessels. So it was suitable that Christ be tempted in this manner so that we would see him overcoming it and by his example be enabled to do so ourselves. In Hebrews 2, 14 to 18, we read, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Now we can say with the apostle, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm reminded of the words of the songwriter who wrote, Do unholy feelings struggle in your breast. Bring your case to Jesus. He will give you rest. I'm glad we had and have an impeccable Savior who despite the fact that he is divine as well as human can show us how to overcome temptation in our own lives. Until next time, this has been Preacher Brandon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's B-C-H-A-R-R-E-L-L 83 at protonmail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.